Cameron, exciting news this week. I got my hands on a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema 4K camera. It's I very nice, very shiny. Mm-hmm. For my job, we're uh, doing some camera upgrades, moving to some live stream stuff. But my goodness, does it feel just so different to hold a camera that's designed around cinema first? <laughs> it, Yeah, 100%. It's very, it, um, you could tell when, when like they put in video as an afterthought versus when they like designed a lot of the camera around video it's it's a huge upgrade a huge upgrade well it's night night and day and it really is like like it basically doesn't hold your hand it's like you got to learn how to do video or you're done for pulling focus you know there's no stabilization the camera is like there's barely any hand holding and I'm sitting here like, oh, I thought I could do video. I guess not. You know, <laughs> I was like, shoot. Yeah. So, well, I remember um, back in the DSLR days when people were kind of running gunning with a um, like a Canon um, 5D Mark III. That was the first like major, um, you know, good quality digital video camera that people could get a hold of uh, in like 2009, 2010, I think. And then uh, the video stuff started to come to their lower end um, DSLRs, like the the 60D. And that's what I had for, for quite some time. And I was like, you had to do this thing where you literally broke the camera. Uh, it was like jailbreaking the camera. And uh, in order to, to monitor audio and in order to get like waveforms and stuff. And then when I, in 2014, when I, or 2015, when I got a GH4, I was like, oh my goodness, this is, <laughs> this is like, this is the best thing ever. Why do I have all of these things like at my disposal? I could just change this. Like I yeah. don't have to break my camera. Well, yeah. I just find it fascinating because I saw this video essay um, and it was a guy talking about why camera operators should abandon image stabilization and autofocus. And he was basically like, from my professional experience, when I've been on set for commercial things and for like, you know, um, like high end, like very close to Hollywood work, right? He was like, if I had ever said anything about, can I use my, you know, A7S three, like the like a high end Sony, so I can have autofocus for this shoot? He was like, they'd fire me. He's like, they'd fire yeah. me right away, you know. Yeah. And it just it kind of blew my mind because now as I'm watching these movies this this week, right? I'm sitting here thinking oh my goodness, someone's pulling focus for every single one of these shots, you know? A hundred percent. There's like so much work that goes into it. Now, it's a little unfair, right? Because there's there's definitely in the documentary space and the sort of like run and gun space, there's totally room for like, especially Canon autofocus is so good, uh, especially like on the, the C series. Um, you know, you got that, that, you know, I, I forgot what they call it, but it's like, you know, you click one button and it, and it just autofocuses automatically. Yeah. The dual and that's pixel. super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Um, it's super helpful for, for documentary stuff. Um, if you're just like running down the street, but, um, it's also unfair because, you know, they have teams and they have so much tech that goes into these cameras where, you know, you've got your your wireless focus puller who's literally got like a tablet who can see everything. And it's like you can't you, you know, you're not going to be able to hold yourself up to that standard. But, <laughs> um, you know, you you'd, it does make you think like, oh, my gosh, like these guys are, you know, especially with the movie we're talking about, like these guys are 
going so hard. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, what it's I crazy. could not like watching this film this week. I could not stop thinking about how I was like, are they shooting it on some sort of handheld rig similar to what I've been working with all week? You know, I just it w- it was blowing my mind. It, the camera does have like a one spot focus pull, so you can click it and it'll like really quickly find where it's supposed to be, which is a nice feature. But yeah, I've just been sort of wrestling with this concept when it comes to my own like video work where they, creators like professional creators are like, you need to learn how to just do it yourself. You know, like you can't like it adds so much flavor. And I, I kind of want to pick your brain, Cameron, because one of the arguments that the guy in the video I was watching talked about was like pulling focus adds so much more character and art to filmmaking. You know, you studied cinematography like what can you input in that thought? Yeah, well, <clears throat> obviously it depends on the the look that you're going for your film, but there's a, there's a very important um, distinction when you're when you're trying to focus pull, right? The idea literally is to draw the 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 audience's focus somewhere, and it's like it's like the it it is forcing your eye to a certain point, um, which is a great tool. I mean, it's it's such a nice uh, thing to be able to have. So like. You know, this movie isn't a great example uh, of that because uh, everything's pretty wide. Um, they don't really, you know, uh, obviously they're pulling focus, but they don't really um, have like snap focuses or anything like that. But um, in in a lot of movies, you'll see like the focus is used to draw your attention towards a different part of the screen, um, you know, either with what's out of focus or what comes rapidly into focus. So it's a really, really important technique that that should be in your back pocket to be like, I can use this to to draw people's attention. So that's that's my thought on it. Well, yeah, it's surprising we opened this podcast with an actual conversation around uh, cinema <laughs> or somewhat related. Yes. Welcome to Cinema Spectator. And I don't know why I'm t- taking off the show. It's because it's too early. It's, You're I, taking I, the reins. I just, Cameron, we're not supposed to be recording at nine o'clock. My voice probably sounds different to people this week. They think I'm probably under the weather or something. Yeah, I know. M- mine too. When you w- when you first wake up, um, this is something that I learned in choir class in high school. When you first wake up, your voice is like significantly lower than the rest of the day. Well, yeah, I think most guys have figured that out. At this well, point, you know, I guess so. Yeah. We'll see. I, I Anyways, mean, uh, hello an- and welcome <laughs> <laughs> to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today, um, I've overthrown democracy uh, <laughs> in favor of my choice uh, because we are watching Children of Men. And now I do want to explain before we get into the rest of what we're doing today. We had two polls go up uh, on the patron uh, and... We, um, when, when we chose the, we didn't select like a date that, that the poll would end, but in our minds, we had a date that, that the poll needed to end because we had to watch the movies to record the show. So if you look at it now, the poll has changed because Juzo, the traitor has, (laughs) has changed his mind, but before it was a two-way tie and then a three-way tie and Juzo changed his mind to minority report. But because it was such a three-way tie, I decided that we were going to watch the movie that I wanted to watch, which was Children of Men. Um, So no complaining. And also, this next week, there's another poll. Um, If you haven't voted in that 
please do. We are going to close that off, uh, you know, presumably in the next couple of days. And uh, right now there is a tie uh, between her and Annihilation, I believe. Ooh, um, both. But, both ones I want to watch, you know. But I downloaded the the results and I because I could see who voted for what. And I saw that Tim voted twice. I don't even know how that's possible, but I'm disqualifying one of his votes. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I think the way it works is he voted for one and then clicked on another one after. And so he voted twice, but technically he has one oh, vote. That's how maybe. it works. I'm I pretty see. Sure. Okay. Well, in any case, um, we'll see. It's it's still tied right now. Um, so uh, if that evens out in the next couple of days, we'll see. Or I'll just pick whichever one I want. So uh, I love democracy. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for uh, participating in that, Patreon. So remember, you can write in your questions if you support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Get access to a commentary track. This month's commentary track is on Blade Runner. I had my girlfriend sit down and watch it. She hates sci-fi movies, so it was very interesting to sort of experience her wild attention span going left and right during the film and also her ending thoughts. You can skip to that if you don't want to sit through uh, the minutiae of watching it all. Um, Yeah, and so you can get that for just a dollar a bunch of other stuff, including your questions read on air, just like Tim Smith wrote in to us again asking, Isaac, what has surprised you the most about this podcast? What were your expectations? How has your view changed of cinephiles and art house film, if any? Cameron and I have been doing this podcast for just about, what, like eight months now? Pretty close to that. Um, And the pitch, of course, is for... Cameron being the expert to expose me to a bunch of these classic films. If you scroll down our episode list, you'll see a bunch of important movies and maybe some that aren't as important, but uh, it's all been in the spirit of exploring these artistic films that most normal people don't watch like me. Um, Overall, I think I have been more surprised than I thought. I really anticipated that this show would be monotonous um watching a lot of films that reminded me like in my mind like made me think of i'm thinking of ending things which is a film that we did watch for this podcast i just anticipated every single movie being like that um because i just can't i don't know like some of my experience with art films is that that's what i expected you know almost no explanation and degrading the viewer where it's like you just won't understand it at all you know like you will be like you are so dumb that you don't you don't realize the the smartness of this moronic collage of images you know i'm just like what the heck you know so my mind has definitely opened up to ideas particularly in black and white films um because it seems like my 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 initial thoughts were like art house was either the weird i'm thinking of ending things or boring black and white movies. And to sit down and watch like Casablanca and actually enjoy it was surprising to me, you know? Um, Granted, I am willing to give films the benefit of the doubt. I'm usually sitting down like ready to find what I enjoy about them, right? And I could see some people like, you know, my girlfriend Jules is basically a skeptic from the start where I am anticipating the best and when i see the worst i just say well at least i tried but they clearly weren't right so that's sort of my own like viewing bias so yeah like black and white films like everything with wilder was um 
just very profound in a lot of ways. Um, I feel smart when it comes to movies because I know stuff about Wilder and most people have no idea who that is. So um, I can't believe they're missing out on him too. Like, I feel like he's a filmmaker that I just, more people have to watch his stuff. It's so good. So yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think my mind has been um, expanded and, and I've seen a lot of like, like there's a lot of movies out there that want to say something important and mean something positive to the world, you know? Like that's kind of been my favorite thing is these creators come together and say like we're really going to knock the ball out of the park and ha- like like stick with people. And I just feel like I miss that. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of movies like that, you know? Like I was like I didn't realize that it couldn't just be like some dumb entertainment medium. Like people actually want to they want to say something and it seems like impossible as a casual viewer to be able to find um, those pictures. So Cameron has sort of guided me to be able to witness some of that. Uh, that being said, I do believe most people will end up sitting through a monotonous experience more often than not. And so I hope this show can be a guide and in a way like Cameron's responsibility in picking some of the movies is for your own entertainment listening to the show but it's also an opportunity for you to 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 hear of movies that you haven't heard of before and usually he's pretty tasteful in, in introducing some of those as well so yeah i mean i think there was definitely a decision that i had to make early on about how much i wanted to torture you um and i think i've led on a good balance um because there are actually genuinely things that are important to watch um, that are not going to be fun, um, which is too bad. But I think um, I think it's important that you cover that ground. Um, and I, I've tried to sprinkle that in w- as best I can and not like overload you with that or else you kind of get like um, beat over the head, I would say. So um, my I mean, I think that's a great way to sum it up. It's it's been it's been really interesting to see like where you land on some of these movies. Um, some things that I was just like totally not expecting to, uh, for you to, to really enjoy or really like. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, that's why I say, you know, and why I said last time, um, there's so much room to, to keep exploring and, um, there's so much more to see even for me. I mean, there's so much more to see. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I also can't wait to talk about this movie, too. So Yes, definitely. Well, thank you for writing in, Tim. Again, if you want to have your questions read, you can check out our Patreon. If you don't have dollars, we get it. Cameron and I definitely get it. So you can just tell friends and family. Give us a rating on iTunes. Every rating helps. Share the show if you enjoy it. Cameron, it's time to get into Children of Men. I have I have a few things to say about this movie that I think are... I don't know. Like There's, there's a, lot, a lot to pull apart. But it is kind of one of those like films that I think is artistic, but kind of like just on the line of like that blockbuster feeling, right? Mm -hmm. It has that that major blockbuster feeling. So give us an intro into it. 
Yeah, so Children of Men, uh, the 2006 film uh, from Alfonso Cuaron. Um, this is his, I believe, his follow up to um, to Prisoner of Azkaban, so the third Harry Potter movie. Um, oh my gosh, I just watched that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so the, uh, he made that in 2004. Before that, he made a movie called um, Itumama Tambien, which is um, it's a Spanish language film, um, and uh, it follows a group of of sort of schoolboys in. Or uh, I, I think they're teenagers um, who go on a road trip in Mexico, um, and with a an elder woman, um, and it's very it's very raunchy, but it also has sort of um, it does a very interesting thing that I want to talk about later that this movie also does. But um, the um, the idea behind this movie and sort of the plot driving scenario is that um, all women become infertile um, and no babies are are born after I think 2009 or 2010. Um, and so it takes place in the in the near future now. It's it takes place in 2027. It, I can't believe that this movie was like. 14 15 years ago now it's yeah, like crazy wow. it makes us feel pretty old now huh? i know yeah um and uh yeah so it takes place in this sort of um very violent uh, very chaotic world um where sort of civilization has broken down a bit um people are dealing with massive unrest and the you know the economic collapse that comes with not having children to support um, and not having sort of a, a new gr- generation coming up. Um, and uh, it follows the story of a man who, and I don't really want to spoil, uh, I guess it's fine because it's in the it's in the log line. Um, uh, it follows Clive Owen's character who um, is very, um, uh, he's kind of uh, disassociated with this, um, you know, organized group. Um, they're, classed as a terrorist group but it's it's this organized group who is trying to um uh get a pregnant woman um out to a boat uh, in the in the middle of the sea to get to uh sort of an ambiguous safe haven you don't really see it um but it's it's more or less uh, it's called you know it's like a sanctuary essentially um and she's the first pregnant woman in you know 20 years or whatever so um, it follows the journey, um, the the chaos, and sort of the um, the very um, I would say like a, in a really heightened way. Uh, it's almost like a documentary of of their of their style or of their um, their journey to to get her to safety. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's really well put together. I I think that was one of the. I mean, like, we haven't watched a ton of movies that were in the 2000s on this podcast, right? And so to be able to sit down and watch a film like this that is, it's it's pretty high blockbuster, but it totally. has, like, these small characteristics that make it, um, like, stand out, that it just has, like, elements that might consider, or might be considered, like, tropey at the time. I mean, I just looked, 28 Days Later came out in 2002, that's a zombie movie. This is right before the zombie explosion in culture, right? Walking Dead was what, like 2010, 2012 or something? Yeah, they I had think like so. a ton of video games coming out around zombies. So the apocalypse 
feeling or the apocalypse like setting really blows up here in the next few years after this film. But what I what I think this movie does with its setting is it links it in a not so far off like future and it's grounded and the cinematography style is constantly handheld. Almost every shot is is shaking so it makes you feel like you're experiencing the world that's falling apart and all these little snippets and scenes that let you kind of understand what is happening around the world from like newscast and newspapers. Like there's all these little nuggets that make you, that, that really draw you into this very depressing world. Um, and amongst all that incredible setting is sort of this, you know, point A to point B plot that's like they're trying to get to this one spot and you understand that and you're in it for the ride um there's in some ways it's very much like mad max fury road um where there's you know there's one direction they're trying to get there and there's obstacles along the way but um the the goal and the setup to that goal is very very simple um it's you know it i wouldn't say this movie is very complicated in terms of its of its plot um what makes it so interesting and so colorful um in almost a similar way to to mad max is that it is it's um it's the the influence of the world around it uh you know the sort of the creeping in that you get of you know people you know the the interactions of them with their world and the world as a setting um it's it's really really interesting to see sort of like future britain um that's very like it, it's a, you know under complete lockdown in a sense and is very <clears throat> you know you can tell it's like very totalitarian which um you would expect in a situation like this like it's literally the end of the world <laughs> you know so uh this is this is the only the only way that they can get out of this but um but as as for the the plot i mean it's it it's super straightforward point a to point b like you said yeah so the the setting comes in and engages you the character's past and motivation is is very like i don't know it's it starts kind of boring but it really evens out in a way that i i just feel like in some of these in some of these like post-apocalyptic plots some of the characters can seem so um run-of-the-mill exhausting just not very interesting they're like they're not very sympathetic, you know, um, besides the fact that they're human living in a bad place, right? Like that, that's almost as far as some movies go, but this, this film takes its time to really establish that this guy isn't just depressed because the world sucks. Like he has a past that you get small snippets of. Um, he has relationships with characters that he, that are almost like symbols of hope in his life, right? Like there's, there's a lot of character development um, that is subtle but so effective in in this movie. And I love the way that the storyline in the movie slowly like wraps its fingers around the lead, right? Mm. It's almost like he he's he starts so disengaged at the beginning of the movie and his writing is like, I don't 
want to be a part of anything like this and it's quite cynical and just I don't know like there's just something hopeful about the way that the plot sort of says well it's almost like an like he he was always meant to do this and he really like steps up to the plate like in his yeah. in his um in his mission you know yeah, it's interesting. He goes from like a completely disengaged person who's like only there for the money to like literally running into a like the middle of a battle and, you know, and it's just it's crazy to 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 see that change in a character for sure. Um you know, I do want to mention just a little bit more on the the background of this movie. You said it was um, you know, right as the explosion of of post-apocalyptic movies came um that's true it's a little preemptive um but uh it this movie flopped when it came out i mean it did terribly um it was a huge budget movie um you know i think like 80 million dollars um and it didn't didn't even make its budget back so um as much as this movie is looked back on now as like a, a you know a bona fide classic um this was not very popular when it came out and i'm not really sure why i think it probably is like maybe 3 or 4 years um uh, before its time you know if this movie came out like 4 years later it would probably have been blown up but um in 2006 i'm not sure if this is the movie that people wanted to see necessarily um if that makes sense so i think this movie has an interesting like feeling to it i i'm i'm part of it is that it's so early in the morning that i'm sounding stupid on the microphone but like what i'm trying to get across is that it is under two hours and the movie has so many moments of slow slowness and um like air and breath Mm. right like from from scenes on the farm that oh that oh my goodness there's that incredible scene where he's like like trying to start the car like in, at the uh, oh in the gosh, early yeah. morning <laughs> like that is such an awesome just setting and also like edge of your seat like plot moment right yeah um to the brief moment where they're like in the school right to w- walking around in there and it's all empty and destroyed and you're just like wow like and the pregnant lady's like on the playground and I don't know, it's, it's impactful. It's heavy. And it's, it's, um, it's so well paced. I think that's really like so what well I'm getting paced. at. Right. If I, vamp- I, I, there were moments in this movie, you know, this is, I don't know. I I've seen this movie probably seven, eight times now. It's, it's genuinely one of my favorites. Um, but, uh, there were moments rewatching it where like I was like holding my breath, you know, (laughs) I know what's going to happen, but like just in the moment you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is so insane. And there, there are times where it like just does not let up, you know, it's like, it's like bad after bad, after bad, after bad, um, you know, obstacle after obstacle. And then, like you said, there are these other moments of just lengthy, like a uh, relief in a sense, you know, where it's like, it's like, we can, we can just stop for a sec, 
and admire the fact that there's, you know, a, a rundown school that's been abandoned forever. And, you know, you don't even have to talk about where this is or what this is. You you understand the concept like this is this is, you know, because there's nobody to to fill it, you know, and it's like there's there's it's just brilliant. Like you said, it's just so, it's so brilliantly paced. Um, it comes like it hits you with with like such hard action and like intensity um and then it goes to these sort of moments of peace and moments of 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 like almost like hope and reflection you know it just made me see how much inspiration was taken from this movie in this video game called the last of us that most people have heard of right yeah and one of the ideas that i thought of when watching this movie was i was like i was wrong When I played The Last of Us, I was like, literally, this story cannot be done in a movie because you have to be like, you know, you have to play it. It cannot be like two hours. You know, there's no way they could do anything like this. Like, it has to have that stretching moments of silence, you know, the personal dialogue, right? And and I would say The Last of Us is really cool because it has more character development in those silent breaths of fresh air, right? But what I think is so um, impactful about this movie is that, like, I was really thinking about violence in it, because violence is visceral in mm-hmm. Children of Men, and I cannot get the scene out of my head when he, like, hits that guy with, like, an ammo box or a brick. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, that- <laughs> I think it's a battery. I think it's, like, a car oh. battery. Oh, dude. Like, there's- um, it's so restrained up until the final like conflict, right? With how much violence you see. And it is always sudden, like extremely fast from the moment with the car and the, the um, like roadblock that happens. And it's just like so sudden. From the very opening scene. I mean, you're just, you know, you're just following this guy. He's out for coffee, putting his sugar in his coffee. And, um, and then, you know, everything goes to hell and and you know the 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 opening credits cut on you know someone just holding their arm and you're like oh my gosh like this is this is crazy you know like and and there's not really that's an introduction to the world not really an introduction to the character you know what i mean um that that opening is more um setting than it is uh, you know who who the character is because that's secondary to um, to to the you know to the actual time and place that it's taking taking part in. Yeah, I like I couldn't stop thinking about the Last of Us game, and I'm I just felt like I couldn't believe that this movie achieved so many of the great beats of that game within a short time period. Like there is not much to shave off this movie like it is back to back packed and it that's what leads to it being such an engaging experience i watched this movie with jules uh also because we watched blade runner the night before and then we watched this and her thoughts on blade runner were sort of like i appreciated some of the world and the big ideas right but the characters and stuff are like, I'm not following them. I'm not attached to them. She doesn't like sci-fi. And so when it's so far out there, she's not like in it, but something about this was just close enough, right. To real life. It was grounded enough 
that by the end she was like edge of her seat like totally invested in this movie and she does not she does not watch movies very easily right um the scene with the car at at, at dawn or or at the at the sunrise right um she was just like holding her breath right <laughs> and man like there's just so many moments in this where it refuses to let you look away do you know what i mean yeah that's kind yeah, of 100% that's kind of why i'm surprised right that it didn't do well in the box office besides maybe it's extremely depressing cover <laughs> And, uh, like, I don't even know why, but something about the title, the cover, the, the fee, I'm sure the trailers for this movie looked pretty brutal too, but it's, de- it's a depressing movie, but it didn't feel like, I, I don't know. I can't say it because I haven't seen it, but like some people reference the road, you know? Oh no, it's totally different. Like this movie is is much much more hopeful. <laughs> like the road, the road is just like genuinely uh, depressing. This movie, yeah. you know, as much as um, things are 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 messed up in the you know in the world that they're living in, I think this movie does a really great job of um, giving you those like little you know little bits of light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's there's the the i mean the ending the sort of the whole plot you know is very hopeful um hopeful for humanity hopeful that there's a um you know a fix to whatever is going on and even if there's devastation and you know destruction in the meantime like this is i think it has actually a pretty hopeful vision um yeah yeah i don't know like uh, I mean, we can get into more of the filmmaking tactic, but I think as a plot, like start to finish, the characters, the the pacing, that uh, you know, man, there's really no excuse to not enjoy this film when you're watching it. A hundred percent. It does. Yeah. It does a great balance of um, depression, <laughs> depressing subject matter, and hopeful air and light at the end of the tunnel stuff. Um, yeah, I was. I was pretty impressed. I was actually very, very impressed with it overall. Cameron, I want to talk about maybe some of, because because it's so well-paced, right? Maybe some snippets of the production, editing, that you want to talk about maybe the handheld style and, and things like that. Yeah, there's so much to talk about with the, um, the just the production of this movie is insane. It's so... Um, it's just so well made. So the choice obviously was made early on um, to do this as sort of a handheld documentary style um, of film. And obviously that's very difficult to do in, um, you know, a post-apocalyptic world, you know, where you're doing sort of these long drawn out takes um, because there's so much um, production value that goes into you know, into the the sets and the, you know, the sequences and sort of uh, uh, every special effect has to be really planned out so well. So, um, the, uh, the, the there's 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 so much to talk about. I, I I don't know how to boil it down, but um, you know, you were talking about the car scene when they're driving on the road and uh, you know, they're in the forest. Um, I guess sort of full spoilers because I don't know what I'm gonna mention or spoil yeah yeah yeah. 
But um, that sequence is kind of infamous because they are um, really in a car that is really being driven, not by the actors, obviously, but that is really being driven um, down a real forest. um, And there's actors outside, there's actors inside. And you think, you look at that sequence, you know, like how in the world, like literally this is impossible. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this is, this is impossible. They have to, you know, this has to be CG. Um, But it's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, uh, they, they really did that. And um, part of the way that they did that was they built a, an extreme piece of machinery um, that was their sort of. Um, it looked like a car on the inside and looked like a monstrosity on the outside um, because they couldn't have a a camera crew in there. Um, And they were able to, so it was like a go-kart that was driven in the front um, and the sides of the, like the two halves of the car would swing out of the way as the, as, as the camera was going through. Um, and it's, it's really nuts. I, I implore everybody to take, to, to go and look up pictures, um, because it is, it is crazy, but, um, yeah, the, it, it was just a feat of, of ingenuity, of genuine, you know, um, I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's just craftsmanship. It's like total artistic craftsmanship. Um, Emmanuel Lubezki, who is the cinematographer, is genuinely a genius, um, you know, has shot some of the greatest looking movies of all time, this included. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than just like praise, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's it's a feat. It is a complete feat. Well, I'm going to I'm going to pick out some moments in the movie that I think are fantastic. We can't stop talking about the sunrise scene because it's shot at sunrise. Like how did they even well, did the, they time that, one, that or was that sorry, fake? That, or that like, one's a different one than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the forest. Um, right. Right. right, in, right, the, right. in the car. Um, and there, remember it's, it's sort of, um, y- you almost don't notice it when you're watching it unless you, you know, to look for it. But, um, have you ever shot anything in a car? Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's terrible. It looks terrible. But um, they're going, they're literally, you know, going from person to person. They have everybody, um, you know, in, in frame at one point, and they're, they're sort of moving in inside the car. And you think, you're like, how, how do, like, how in the world do they do that? And then at one point, they swing out, and the car is rolling down the hill, and it's burning, you know, and then, and then they back up, and like, everybody starts running from the forest, and then she gets shot, and then, you know, there's just just like utter chaos around um and it's all in this one unbroken take from you know um he wakes up in the car he takes a nap and he wakes up and then until he shoots the two cops oh my Um, goodness dude that's all one unbroken take that's unbelievable actually (laughs) like i actually i can't believe it that's well so obviously it's you know some of it was probably match cutted or match cut, um, where, you know, there's a, there's a movement that they match, um, in the editing process. Um, but I mean, but still like you have to cover your tracks when you do that. Like it's, it's still basically doing, I think they did 12 takes of it. Um, which is, I mean, it's just absolutely insane. Like 
<laughs> how in the world? And then um, there's another one uh, that I, I don't know if you picked up on. Um, I mean, so Quran is kind of famous for his for his long takes. Um, and he is um, very much a master of them because he he it's almost like they're very stylistic the way that he does them. Um, but almost like breathless, you know, he not the movie, but like, you know, he just he just does them. Um, and it, it's like, it seems effortless. You know what I mean? Like he just, he just does them and you don't even think about it. The Um, scene that I cannot stop thinking about was the like execution to the combat zone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, they're sitting there. He's like, when he, when we turn the corner, shoot them. Right. Yeah. And then the camera like kind of, you know, like draws in on, um, the main character. Right. So that's another like uh, eight minute long take where insane. He, <laughs> I could not it's believe crazy. it. You know, and he goes around and there's you know there's the tanks and they're firing and then he runs in and then he runs up the stairs and it's still going and then he um, I think it ends a- like after um, he has the the talk with um, Chiwetel Ejiofor's um, character. I forget his name, um, and he gets shot. I think that's the end of the sequence. Like, isn't that <laughs> isn't that just insane? And it serves like that long take serves that scene amazingly. Like mm-hmm. it, it it's like you are in the combat zone with him, right? It's just like when he when he got up to run through the bus and there's all those extras in there and the like the the small like blood splatter on the, on camera, the camera lens. I was like, I don't even know if it's CGI, but at this point, I could believe it if someone actually went like, you know. I think it is CGI. I think it yeah, is CGI. Yeah, yeah, but it's just, I was like, I don't even know how. Like, it's what crazy. A, I mean, what it's, a nightmare! What a nightmare! It's and and you have to think about that scene. There are so many extras, like literally a bajillion extras. Um, there's, you know, there's explosions going off that are that are real there are you know there's so there's pyro there's special effects there's um you know the 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 gunfire which i don't know if that might not be real but um you know there's just like so much going on and everything has to be timed so perfectly and then um you know there's another long take uh which is right after that where he comes out with the baby um and that take there's cuts in between those two but that take is is always really really powerful for me like i love that that sequence it is so um it makes me cry every time it's it's just like insane um and then you know they start fi- as he as he passes the battle they you know they start fighting again whatever but um yeah the whole i mean everything in that third act is like on the edge of your seat you're just you're like locked in you know <laughs> yeah i check just because purposefully i was like this movie's is is moving but like towards the middle mark i was like how much longer and there's an hour left it's only two hours long i was like wow we've really i feel like this movie's been going on for a long time in, a, in not in a bad way but i'm like it feels like an epic you know like i just it's it's really moving. And I'm like, okay, an hour left. That was like a blink of an eye. It felt like yeah. that ending sequence 
is over so fast <laughs> when you're watching it because yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with you know the cinematography we're talking about. I lo- I don't like shaky like shaky cam footage is so difficult to work with, and I'm not I'm not saying that this is like shaky shaky, but there's a lot of handheld movement with it, mm-hmm. and I just could not help but exclaim in that final battle. I was talking to Jules. I was like, how like look how much effort they're they're going through to show us what's happening you know exactly what's happening around this guy you know i mean you, imagine if a if a worse director made that sequence you know it would totally be you know you have you have the shots it would be like two separate things almost it would be like him running and then the battle going on and you would intercut between sort of the battle and and him running and you would get no perspective of how close he actually is and how much he's like going into the the fight <laughs> you know like he is he's go, he is being taken being drawn in by the story into the fight um and i think I think most directors would would not do this as as well as as he did. You know, it's it's crazy. I I mean, I'm sure there's more production stuff you want to talk about, but it's like for me this movie's a no-brainer. Like I feel like this movie's for everyone. And I yeah, and 100%. I don't mean to like jump to the rating stuff, but I'm like you just I feel like you just got to see it. You know, you got everybody see should see this movie. Yeah. I can't believe that it didn't do well because if if Jules can sit through it, that's usually how I feel. Like if Jules can sit through it and actually enjoy it too, like that was the other thing. For a depressing, brutal movie, like she was like, "Yeah, that was pretty good." At the end, I was like, "Wow!" Like I did not expect to hear that from you. You know? Yeah, um, it's become. I think it's become a modern classic. Um, one that people look back on and are like, "Oh my gosh, this is." a feat you know this is a genuine um it's a masterpiece you know uh i think people have looked back on this with you know with reverence i would say um tell us a little bit more about the director like what has he done after this movie because i mean you know you mentioned some of his films i knew like two of them but what happened to him uh, well he's still working um he made uh um a a little known movie that you love called Gravity. Um <laughs> oh, no. Um no. Yes, he did he did make that. Um so that was his um that was his next feature. Um and then in so that was 2013. Um he really only makes like one movie every uh, couple of years like four years maybe. Um and then after that, in 2018, he made a movie called Roma, um, which was produced by Netflix, um, which, uh, I mean, it, I think it won Best Picture, right, in 2018. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Side uh, note, I, sh- I tried to start watching the Oscars. I couldn't get past, like, like two minutes. <laughs> I did like, watch the Oscars, actually. This, I, this I mean, we can, we can talk about that more at the end, but I literally was like, I should watch this. And just the opening, I was like, I'm not going to sit through this. Like That's kind of how I felt about it. It was so yeah. weird and boring, and I was like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> um, well, anyways, Roma, it won a bunch of awards. Um, you know, everybody everybody loved it. I thought it was good. Um, Juzo hates it. He thinks it's terrible and boring. Uh, but, you know, I, I do agree with him, though, in that he does e- everything that he does in Roma, 
he does better in his in his earlier movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is what it is. But um, yeah, those are the those are the next two movies that he made, and he's still working. I think he's got another project coming out, um, or you know that's in production. Uh, but I'm not really sure where you know he he takes his time when making movies. So um, you know he's clearly. I mean, this one, wow. He's part of um, what's called the Three Amigos, um, where they're, you know, three uh, Mexican directors um, from, I think, the same city or the same area of Mexico and um, all kind of came up at the same time. Um, so the the other two are Guillermo del Toro and um, uh, Inaritu. Um I forget his first name. Hold on. Oh yeah, Alejandro Inaretu. Um He made Birdman. Um, if you if you saw that movie, I have Isaac. seen that. Yeah, I did. And see The Revenant. Um, which one best picture? So they have kind of dominated in the. Tw- I would say in the 2010s, they've kind of dominated the, um, the the Oscars. You know, they all three of them have won uh, best picture in the 2010s. I th- I believe the Fishman movie. I remember hearing about that and not wanting yeah. to watch it. <laughs> yeah, The Shape of Water, um, which is Guillermo del Toro's uh, film. Um, yeah, so uh, they're sort of they're sort of in you know they they've been adopted into the highest league of of artistic Hollywood filmmakers. I would say. Um, they obviously have made blockbusters in the past, like Guillermo del, del Toro made um, Pacific Rim, <laughs> which I think is great. I like that movie, uh, but um, no, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So that you know, and then um, Quran, he he made uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, which is that was his like first introduction into um, blockbuster filmmaking. I would say that movie has such a unique feeling. Compared to the first two, because I, I mean, I hadn't seen them till like literally a month or two ago. Um, yeah, I think we're in the middle of four, <laughs> so I just four is I, terrible. I mean, I, I had to leave, so I didn't. I, I'm sure I'll get back to seeing how bad it is eventually. Um, well, um, do do you kind of notice uh, some similarities between that movie and and Children of Men? Um, I think his style has. Um, been very consistent uh, throughout his throughout his filmmaking career, um, and I think he brought a lot of the character and color of his filmmaking to the Harry Potter universe. Um, I would say the opening and sort of the introduction to um, like those little Dark Rider guys that like freeze water around people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the um, the Dementors. Yeah. And and the intro uh, in London or whatever the whatever wherever it is, I have no idea what's yeah. happening in those movies. Um, but <laughs> like that had a connection. I I can pull a connection to um, Children of Men in that. I, there's a really were, there's a really hidden long take in that movie um, that that nobody really remembers or knows but it's um it's the exposition sequence where harry is being told about sirius black um and he's in uh he's in 
uh, three broomsticks, I think. Um, and he's talking with our, uh, with, um, Arthur Weasley, um, Ron's dad. And, and there's, you know, he goes from, I think it goes from the stairs that, you know, they walk down the stairs and then, and then, you know, it, it like goes all the way through the, um, that space, which is like totally different from everything that is in those movies. You know, like the, <laughs> that movie is just like, but the the two before are very straightforward like kind of children's movies um and this is like you can tell it's it's sort of an an artistic director who's taken the reins yeah i actually um, i noticed it right away when we were watching i was like something's different like yeah. something's very different i don't know what it is but i i'm into it a little bit yeah. i just i think i didn't like the direction of some of the plot at the end of that cuz i don't i don't i'm not sworn to the books i don't know anything about what's happening in that I was just like, what the heck is this time travel thing? I just, my thing about those those movies is that they seem to pull out new mechanics out of nowhere constantly. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about it briefly, but yeah, no, no, no. I can, I can see some of the connection. And that's interesting about the long take. I didn't remember that at all. So, so the one thing that I do want to mention before we leave um, uh, that I think is really, really important to this movie um, and important to all of his work is um, Quran has a tendency um to um to have a, uh it's almost like a distracted eye of the camera um and i i don't know how to put it necessarily but it's, it's basically you know things are going on in the foreground or things are going on with the plot with the characters and um the the camera just seems to drift um, to something that is completely unrelated, um, that doesn't really have anything to do with the, with the, you know, story necessarily, but is really about world building and about making, you know, making you notice things that are, that are, um, that are colorful almost to the, to the plot. Um, and the, the big one in this movie is, um, there's a sequence where they're being uh, they're being taken through the refugee camp, um, and uh, it just kind of walks off. The camera just walks off um, and just just explores a little bit of the of the refugee camp, and um, it's really really interesting because this is something that he does in almost all of his movies, uh, where there's something going on in the background that's almost more interesting to. Um, to him or more interesting to whoever the camera, you know, um, whatever you want to call the, the sort of, um, you know, the, the eye of the camera. Um, it's almost like they get distracted with what's going on and they show you something else because they're like, Oh wait, there's something else going on in this world. There's something else going on, um, in, in the background of the sequence. And, what I find so interesting and why, you know, I brought up Itumama Tambien earlier is that's a movie that is almost centered around this mechanic. Um, we might watch it in the future. I don't know. It's a little um, raunchy and explicit, but um, it's I think it's worth watching because um, there's so much interesting filmmaking I I involved in that movie where, um, you know, what's going on is sort of this juvenile plot. Um, and you know, the story of, of, you know, these, these two guys kind of, um, being machismo and, and trying to one up each other. Um, and in the background, um, you get the sense that they are, 
completely oblivious to the poverty and to the um to the you know devastation that's around them and um you know they're from this like rich area very you know um uh they're well off it's established in the movie and the camera you know at certain points will just wander off um, and show you something that is that is completely unconnected, but ties into the meaning of the movie, um, which is that they are so far, uh, you know, removed from from you know the the trials and tribulations of other people that they have this sort of um, there's like a sense that you get of, of like deep selfishness um, of these characters. And it's so interesting because this movie does it in almost like the exact opposite way, uh, where it's like the 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 main characters, you know, are are totally aware of the poverty, uh, but there's just nothing they can they can do about it. And the the intrigue comes in of of our mind, where it's like we're we don't know about what's going on in this world, um, you know, and we get to sort of experience firsthand. Um, something that is that is you know being opened up to to our eyes. You know we can see the the devastation. We can see you know you know he you know the camera will look out of the bus uh, to all of the you know the people who are being sort of you know captured and tortured and whatnot. And um, I think it's really impactful. Um, that is not at all connected to to the plot. Um, not at all connected to the characters. It's just it's just simple world building and storytelling, um, visual storytelling. So one of the comments that Jules had during this film was like she she just kept saying, "Oh my goodness, I'm so glad that like you know we have it good basically," and it was like really resonating with her all those moments where the camera would wander off because it's it's horrific, right? The the like refugee center with that that random scene with the bus and he's like oh she's peeing and pooing or something like that right um like that scene is just terrifying you don't even understand really what's happening um but everyone's just kind of trying to get through as fast as they can because who knows what else is out there right yeah um yeah i didn't really notice that technique at all and it's almost a pull for me to want to go back and watch it just so i can notice all the things you're talking about right from the car being a transformer around the camera (laughs) to like um the one takes uh that they hold for so long yeah i don't know like i didn't notice but that i do i did realize the breadcrumbs that they leave and how they lean into them in a way that makes you feel smart and engaged versus like Hey, see this? Do you see this? You know, like yeah, they're 100%. more like you can be attentive. We trust you'll be attentive. We're not going to hold your hand. You you're going to see it and you're not going to forget it, you know? Like that's kind of um the feeling that you experience when you're when you're watching this. And it's so it feels rewarding like as an audience member, you know? Yeah. To to be engaged in that way. Right? It reminds me a lot of, you know, most Chris Nolan movies where it's like he gives you m- many of the pieces but you get to put it together in your head um and yeah that this movie is very similar you know yeah he- just like tenet no 
Um, not like Tenet at all. Tenet does the exact opposite. He gives you way too many pieces, and you're like, what? what? He actually mixed three puzzles together yeah, and exa- said, uh, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, exactly. He, he like He's cruel. He gives you like five 50,000-piece puzzles and <laughs> shakes them up in a bag and... <laughs> dumps them out you like puzzles you guys like puzzles yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe that was just the ultimate film for nolan to say stop dissecting my movie so much just that stop. maybe maybe i mean I he was like so. he was like this 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 one will this they'll chew on this one for a while watch his next movie be just like mundanely start to finish like oh, i would love that i was literally that. like just zero room for debate if he did just like a just a straight drama that would be cool it would be interesting if he attacked his next film with a statement so strong that had zero debate like it was almost like just he wanted to say a hard truth and get people mad or something in his <laughs> in his product like he, he was just like there's there's zero room for debate like my statement is tied sealed shut you know yeah it would be interesting but yeah i mean i think i think yeah this movie is so brilliant it's genuinely one of my favorites of all time um it's a movie that i go back to pretty frequently um a movie that i think about a lot um and one that has stuck with me as uh, you know, watching it as sort of a young, uh, a young budding filmmaker, it was like it. It seemed impossible to me. It seemed like this movie was what like couldn't possibly exist. Um, and it's really it stuck with me. I mean, it's it's been a movie that has imprinted itself in my um, in my you know my filmmaking, my appreciation of film. Um, it's one that's really left its its mark on me. So, um, if you haven't seen it, it, it's brilliant. Just go watch it. It's like there's no excuse, and it's only yeah. like like you said, it's only an hour and fifty minutes. Like that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> so, I can't believe it's that short. It feels so much longer in a good way, which is yeah. It feels like a like a an epic tale of you know. Uh, like an epic journey it feels like lord of the rings you know <laughs> yeah no definitely well yeah i think that wraps it up cameron stay i'm stamping for everyone are you stamping for everyone i'm stamping for everybody shot of the film obviously you could say the one take for me i thought the sunrise scene where you can see the extras running behind the car as he's like in it and he's checking his mirror uh it's almost like a split framing so half of it is the guy in the car uh, and then you can see the guys running down the hill as the car's like flying down the the muddy road with the bumps. I'm like, dude, this is just how? Like, I, I was like, they, did they really shoot this during sunrise? Like, I think that, they must have. Yeah, that's like a split second to get it right. You know? Well, that's that's another thing about the Revenant. Not his movie, obviously, but uh, the Revenant was basically all filmed in in the short period between sunrise and. Um, the sun like fully coming up um so like they only had like an hour to shoot every day <laughs> it was just crazy it's like they want a scheduling nightmare they just want to like that crew probably hated it yeah i, I mean they they were miserable the entire time because <laughs> they were in the cold in like winter and had to film this movie oh. about about a guy and a bear he was like, if I don't get 
an Oscar for this, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Cameron, thank you for doing an early recording. Sorry for the reschedule. Again, no, it's, right. it's always it's always me, guys. It's always me. Just know Cameron's always on it. It's always me with the reschedules. So um yeah, no, I so I will say right now, if the tie continues, I will be picking her uh because I love that movie as well. So um Save this, me. Save me from that. <laughs> Please save me. You're gonna you're gonna love it. It's it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> Okay. Well, Just kidding. I don't think you're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh we post every Monday. We're still doing sci-fi for a little bit longer, then we'll do a couple mis- miscellaneous things before we get into another themed month. Any closing statements, Cameron? Anything else besides that Patreon update? There's no excuse to not watch this movie. It's so good. I guess the it only is excuse is that you have to rent it, but it, there's no excuse. <laughs> it's good. It's very good. All right, all we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast executive produced by Darren O'Neill. If you want your name read in the credits of the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions to achieve this status. Thank you, Darren, for the support. And for the rest of you, we appreciate your support as well. Have a good one. Hey.